0: I'm Julia Sherbakov, and this is Impact Journey. Conversations with hidden heroes making big societal change.
1: And a good place to live is a good place to visit. And when the locals, when they come together and create a livable community with industries and businesses that thrive and secure the natural element of social and the cultural and the financial, when all that comes together, then you actually can grow and expand and scale. Being and thinking sustainable and the pride in us that we take care of our natural surroundings and we develop products that are world-leading.
0: Today, I'm happy to welcome Hega Barnes. About her impact, Hege is the Director of the Americas at Innovation Norway, the Norwegian government's arm to develop tourism and industry. About her journey, a fascinating theme here is how Hege is representing a small country with a big impact. Whenever there's talk about impact and sustainability, it is likely that Norway will come up in conversation. And Hege reminded me that this goes back to the 1980s and the Brundtland Report, which was led by the Prime Minister of Norway way at the time, Gro Harlem Brundtland, and the main thing to come out of that report was actually the definition of sustainability that many of us use today, which is meeting the needs of the present without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their needs. And fast forward to today, the biggest ad at the Super Bowl 2021 was an American car company having Will Ferrell competing with Norway in electric vehicles. So I was curious to peek behind the scenes. How does a sustainable national strategy come together that punches above its weight? And what can we learn from this small country? Please enjoy this conversation with Hega Barnes. I'd love to start a bit going back in time in your story because looking at your experience and you've been at Innovation Norway 15 years, I'd love to just understand a bit more about where the origins came from of what eventually drew you to this work, representing your country in a way, what led you to this and where you come from?
1: I think it's based on where I grew up. I grew up in Northern Norway and it's beautiful and all, but it's an Arctic climate and I realized early on it's a big world out there. I need to learn and explore and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was very interested in, in social anthropology, but I like marketing. Then I moved to another city in, in Norway to get an education and then I moved to Denmark and joined an international class in master in international business because I was like, oh, that's my first step in getting out into this big world. I met a lot of people from US, from Spain, from Australia, from Hungary. It was like a big mix of international students that really triggered my travel interest in seeing the world interest. And I also realized then that I wanted to work with international relations in one way or another. And then I started to get to know the Norwegian Tourist Board, which was called something else then. But it was like, ah, that seems interesting because you're actually promoting Norway, you're promoting where you came from, you're promoting your own values, your own products and something that I have deep knowledge and passionate about. It's also like a communication aspect to it that telling the story aspect. So I did my I started my master's program and like you had a 6 month internship and I applied to South Africa, Australia, Canada, but I got a great opportunity in Toronto in Canada. So I was like, yep, I'm going and I worked for the Norwegian Trade Council there. So it was supposed to be a 6 months, but I ended up 2 years and wrote my master's thesis there and all and I loved it. I loved that kind of work. Uh, But when that ended, I was like, hmm, I don't want to go home. And then it was an opportunity in New York. And it was for tourism. And I hadn't worked in tourism before, but it was still that communicating this beautiful country we grew up in and, and the values that we have. And we already then started sort of working on the core values of nature-based vacations. So that sounded interesting. So I moved to New York. You know, it changed because I actually had worked with bigger industries. I worked with oil and gas. I worked with sort of pulp and paper and heavy sort of industrial products and helping bigger companies get into the Canadian market. And then I was like, hmm, tourism sounds like a new adventure. So I took that and I loved it I was there for five years working for the tourist board and then I realized also there's new opportunities I tried to live in Seattle for six years and I got married and loved the west coast and I worked for as a sales manager for a tour operator but then after a couple of years I got an opportunity to come back to New York and take over as the office manager for innovation Norway and I was like okay this is the dream job I can work with the broader uh, specter of uh, products to Norway and profiling Norway but also help Norwegian companies smart Norwegian companies come to the U.S. or North America and grow their products here. And as we also started with this whole sort of sustainable aspect of, of developing both the destination from a tourism perspective, but also as a local perspective, a destination perspective, to actually having products that are more sustainable and bring sustainable technologies to the market. That is also something
0: that was very, very intriguing to me. So There were two questions that popped up, like this almost like this duality of wanting to go abroad and leave North. Norway and go explore the world. But then at the same time of national pride of wanting to represent the values that your country represents to wherever you go. And that's kind of interesting, right? It's like wanting to leave it, but wanting to take it with you. Yeah. And that's why I think I
1: have the best job in the world because I get to still stay so close to who I am and where I'm from. I lived for 25 years, I think, in Norway. So I'm very much a Norwegian, but I lived almost as long here now in North America And being able then to take that sort of cultural background, the good things, Norway's not perfect by far, but all the good things and things that work and sort of sharing that knowledge and that skill set and, and helping my beautiful beloved country succeed, particularly then in the sustainability field.
0: It's super rewarding for me. And it's so interesting because each of those things, the wanting to leave it, but then wanting to share your pride in it. On the one hand, it's a small country, so I can also relate to wanting to leave. <laughs> and on the other hand, being so perfect proud. proud of these elements that you you brought with you I'm so curious to know more about what it is about Norway that's unique and that's special and that you took with you that also made you want to work for essentially your country right and then to promote it overseas because in Norway I mean even growing up there is there a sense of national pride is there a sense of this is what makes us different
1: yes there is, and the Norwegians think they're world champions. Uh, a <laughs> mentality that we are the best—it's to be a Norwegian is to be the best. So we are rather competitive in that spirit, and we love beating the Swedes. It's a small country, it, so it's a big country by landscape, but only five million people. And when it's that few, it's also very transparent. You know, we're very fortunate in Norway. We are nature. We have found oil, so we are a prosperous country. We're a rich country. We can afford a lot of things. We have a very functioning healthcare system. The citizens are very safe. If you lose your job. There's a social security system that will take care of you. So All that is said is set up for you so that you can go through life in a sort of relatively comfortable manner. And work-life balance is big and people really cherish their time off, which is very different from the US where people don't even take all their vacations. So that's a very different mentality. And the US has a lot of challenges in that aspect. People also have to work to survive. So there's a sense of need and urgency in, in what you do. And the complacency that can happen in Norway because we're so well off that's a little dangerous and it's also part of my job is also we're calling it to sort of fill the export gap because if you look beyond oil and gas which we are now trying to transition out and transition more to renewable energy sources we have an export gap we import a lot Mm. more products than we export so we need to create a lot of other industries for the future and When you don't have that need, that urge that you need to actually create and innovate and sell to survive, the pace is often slower and you have to use other means and measures to get this sort of development. And there's a lot of these things that make it attractive to be in Norway, but same time that we need to sort of shift the mindset
0: because things will change in the future. It's so interesting to hear your reflections on it because you having lived half your life in Norway and half your life outside of it really allows you to compare and contrast and see the beauties of it, but also the limitations of both places. But how you were talking about what you're seeing in the U.S., that actually would be helpful to learn from. And so with that, actually, I'd love to really get into what Innovation Norway does and what your role in it is. There's at least two parts in your role that I've seen, the tourism part and the business part. So getting people to come to Norway, but then also getting Norwegian businesses out into the world. Can you talk a bit more about Innovation Norway and specifically what your role in it is?
1: Yeah, I'd be happy to. So three, we also have an Invest in arm here. Oh, there you go.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so
1: Innovation Norway is the government entity for trade and industry. So we have the tourist board, we have the trade council, and we have an investing arm, plus we have some funding arms. We have offices in all the counties in Norway, as well as 30 countries. Um, So we help companies and industries grow and scale their businesses. We build innovative ecosystems in Norway to help also industries and communities to develop and innovate. We work with research and innovative communities with institutions, corporates and the government, local government together to help create local industries that can thrive and succeed and scale up locally and then when that's ready and the companies individually or as a group are ready to go international we help them we as the foreign offices help them get into the markets so I'm responsible for all of America so we have office in Toronto and New York Silicon Valley Houston Washington DC and Rio that takes care of all South America because Mm -hmm. we need these companies to actually uh, (laughs) be bigger to actually help the value creation in Norway there's a lot of smaller companies that are thriving, but that doesn't help us as an an industry and as a nation overall. We need bigger companies with bigger impact.
0: And what's interesting about the three areas, and thank you for correcting me, that you were describing, so the tourism, the supporting the companies, and then the investment part is there seems to be a very explicit focus to make each of the three of those very sustainability oriented. And I'm very curious where that comes from, where that sustainability focus comes from, how that originated.
1: Actually, it started when Gro Harlem Brundtland came out with her uh, sustainability report in 1987, the Brundtland report that was adapted by mm-hmm. uh, the UN. And then it has evolved from there on. We as a government entity have a mandate to work in a sustainable manner. We are following the SDGs. Like we have to build our plans based on the SDGs. How are we delivering to the SDGs? We have to ask the companies we work with, what are your sustainability strategy? How do you work towards sustainability? So we can help them also along the path of choosing more sustainable options. So we work through sort of the whole value chain for that. But it's driven by a governmented mandate and then there's the government visions. We have a green shipping strategy. We have a local for Oslo that's going to be emission-free, all uh, transportation by 2030. And so it's driven by both the government overall, but it's also driven by the people. For the tourism side, we are now creating a whole new sustainability strategy that's not owned by Innovation Oral or Visit Norway, but is owned by the industry themselves. In Norway, the biggest salesperson is a beautiful nature. Everybody wants to come and go see the fjords or the Northern Lights or the Midnight Sun and you know experience all and the tiny little communities and cities and beautiful historical towns. So how do we do that in a sustainable manner? And that is the local communities. And a good place to live is a good place to visit. So you have to have that as a fundament. And when the locals, when they come together and create a livable community with industries and businesses that thrive, that be within the tourism sector, that can also be within other industrial areas, but they need to sort of pull together and secure the natural element of it, the social and the cultural and the financial element of it. When all that comes together, then you actually can grow and expand and scale. Being and thinking sustainable and being green and the pride in us, that we take care of our natural surroundings. We care about it and we develop products that are world leading. We, we have a maritime industry and Electrica, uh, what we call blue green tech. Oh, industry, I and have not green- heard of what is blue green tech? So it, it's sustainable green technology for the blue oceans because blue technology is anything over and under the water, but it's green. We are ship building nation. And now we are transitioning all that industry into um, electric ferries, electric cargo vessels hydrogen and ammonia even and cargo, autonomous ferries that are running big cargo ships uh, and that also helps on the national pride by the way. Even right. though <laughs> you, know, you have products that it's good for the environment, we have something to offer. We're finding the areas where we have sort of these
0: competitive advantages and the drive. I'm glad you connected the dots between tourism and business and investment, the local strategies for local governments, local businesses, local tourism boards around sustainability. And on the one hand, that makes a lot of sense because, and I I do really love what you said about a good place to live makes a good place to visit. And on the other side of it, I wonder how much of this is explicitly talked about historically, Norway was more of an oil and gas country. And this represents a huge shift in the focus for the country. I mean, how much of that is is in discussion?
1: All the time. That's the key discussion at the moment. You know, we used to be one of the most poorest countries in Europe at the beginning of the century, and then we found oil in the late 60s, and then we discovered to one of the more prosperous and richest countries in the world. And now we've lived well off the oil and gas. So we're investing, you know, Well, we have a trillion dollars in our oil fund, you know, investing for future generations, but we see that we need to shift. We are now moving into renewable energies. We're seeing it as a need to do, but it's also it's a great opportunity because we need to follow the trends. The future generation, they require renewable sources. They require both smart, sustainable solutions.
0: And I guess what helps is that this is connected to government policy. And I don't know how closely Innovation Norway works with national policymaking, but often for other countries, and I'm sure you're following as well what's (laughs) happening in the US and trying to make a Green New Deal happen and how difficult that is to get that support from industry, from an entrenched industry. That's not easy. And so I'm, I'm curious, what do you see on the link to policy?
1: So absolutely, it's super important. When we work internationally, it's the consular generals and the embassies that take care of the policy and work with the regulatory bodies. We get an assignment letter from different departments in the ministry and the mm-hmm. government, and they will direct us and saying we, among others, are working with green new deals so and saying with green technology. That's our focus. That's our priority. So we can give funds and money in partnership with local investment arms. We can help fund green technology solutions or innovative environments and ecosystems and networks and clusters. Uh, you know, for the local levels, there's a lot of incentives. For example, the electrification of cars, you know, we have fifty-four percent of all new cars bought in Norway today are electric. And that's because it's become sort of trendy to drive it. There's incentives from the government to buying an electric car is much cheaper than a diesel or gas driven car. Things are changing, but you could drive at least in HOV lanes. You got, you know, free toll booths. There's a lot of free parking and charging stations all over the place. But when the government sort of makes it easier and helps create that as sort of a trend and a cool thing to do, an affordable and economically smart thing to do and environmentally smart thing to do, and it's
0: also like a fun thing to do, then it helps for sure. Exactly. And it helps Certainly, when it's a really holistic strategy, right, where that includes policy, it includes infrastructure, yeah. it includes investment. Now, I would love to talk about the Super Bowl ad, and I'd love to talk about it from a few angles. It connects to what you were saying earlier about your origin story as coming from this relatively small country in terms of population, but it's a relatively small country that has a pretty big influence. And for me, that Super Bowl ad was kind of an example of that. Here's Will Ferrell driving for GM in the Super Bowl, one of the biggest events in the US. This is the way I explain it to friends who are not from the US. The ads on the Super Bowl are really more symbolic than anything else. Like It really is a stand often that a brand will want to make, and they'll often take that time and that space to make a stand. And what's really interesting about this GM ad that was really almost pointing at Norway as the North Star of what an electric future will look like. It was really interesting given that, again, it is a small country with a big influence. So my first question to you is, how did you make that happen? I, I do think we have that stand that you
1: said that we are actually a little bit of a North Star in this field, but it might not be as known until the Super Bowl when millions, hundreds or so millions of people saw that, but it actually was GM themselves. The reports on Norway with 54% of all new cars being bought in Norway being electric, that came on their radar and they were about to launch their vision that production is shifting toward electric vehicles so it was the big message that they were going to give at the Super Bowl because that is the biggest stage in the world for this messaging so they thought oh my gosh this country is doing it the US needs to look there if the US is friendly competition and then they actually met with Will Ferrell and he was all on board the US needs to beat Norway so they came to us basically a week before Super Bowl and I was like do you want to do this friendly banter with us and we of course said yes I went to the government and had them deal with The prime minister who received the pizza and all that. Yeah. So we had a lot of fun because it is a good cost. It's something that we can stand behind. It's good for the environment. We promoted the message of electric or renewable energy sources of getting larger companies committed, getting industries and getting people committed to drive more environmentally friendly cars. And then it just worked. It just took off big time.
0: And I'm curious, what has been the reception to that ad, both outside of Norway? and also inside of Norway. Amazing.
1: I I don't know if you picked up, but in Norway, a lot of different uh, organizations and uh, ad agencies and actors, they just jumped on it. And in 24 hours, they created this little response to uh, Will Ferrell making their own little spoof on him and with little kids waving and waiting for him. It was so much fun. And everybody just got on the bandwagon of it. And it's both a phenomenal PR for Norway as a sustainable destination. And in the US, it took off there was articles everywhere and it was super bowl rankings you know the most fun commercial and all what we often say is that we are really really good engineers right we're good at technology we're not so good at telling our stories so it's like okay this is what way you could do it. So that whole sort of sales and marketing and taking advantage of an opportunity to get our industry to ride along, ride on the wave.
0: Exactly, ride the wave while it's happening. Yes, absolutely. And it's not a one-time small wave. It's like, this is the wave. Exactly, it is. It's now the time to build for the future. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you connected those dots actually because so many of the guests that I've had on this podcast podcast from Patagonia to Fairphone. That is the strategy. That is why their business has taken off and is doing really well because it's not this nice thing on the side. It is the thing driving the business. And that's why I'm so happy to talk to you because I've had the business angle, also the nonprofit angle, the international organization angle. This is the first time that really have the national angle at a country level when all those dots line up in a row. So I really want to thank you for sharing that very unique perspective that I think you're right we can absolutely learn from thank you for your time thank you for sharing your story it's so lovely to also see your enthusiasm for your own country but also for the principles that you're communicating so I do want to thank you for that
1: well thank you thank you this is exciting I love talking to you
0: A big thanks to Hege. You can follow her work on Twitter and in the links in the show notes. This is Impact Journey. See you next time.